Hey, Burke and I are here to welcome you back to part two. Welcome to the law firm of Davis and Davis. We're not a real law firm. Go ahead, grab a beer, a glass of wine, sit back and listen. This is, this is, I will never leave you from the stage show, Sideshow. And it's, uh, it's actually sung by, um, a couple of ladies who are, uh, attached to each other, um, what is that called? Conjoined twins? Yeah, they're Siamese twins, yeah. Yeah. And uh just oh very moving song. Alright, so we've been into our list here. We're on number fifteen. No, I'm on number sixteen. Or Berkson is number sixteen. Uh, I have to. All right, sir. I am ready for you to share. Ready then. I can do that and that and that. Pretty much went with a classic there, man. The Enterprise 
B from Star Trek The Next Generation. This is actually designed by Andrew Probert, whose first TV and film work was on Glenn A. Larson's 1978 ABC miniseries Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. And he was recommended by artist Ralph McQuarrie, whose name may come up later. Um, the USS Enterprise C, NCC 1701D, excuse me, D, uh, 24th Century Federation Galaxy class starship operated by Starfleet and the fifth Federation starship to bear the name Enterprise. During its career, the Enterprise served as the Federation flagship as when it was in service from 2363 to 2371. So, answer me a question here. Yeah. Um, you brought up the D version. Yes. Sorry. This is the Enterprise D from the next generation. There were there was the Enterprise, the Enterprise A, B, and C before this one. Okay. Obviously. The only thing the only reason I'm asking this question is why is it uh, that you brought up the D version? I always liked this. It was just, you know, because when the next generation came out, this was just very sleek and stylized and you had much bigger saucer than engineering and engines. And just, I don't know. This one always appealed to me as just a very good design, a very pleasing design. Um, I actually had a, it wasn't a model. It was a toy uh, of this where it had like sound effects and stuff you could do. And the nacelles lit up and everything. And it's just, I don't know. I've always liked this iteration of the enterprise. There's other ones that are very nice. Also, um, the, the, the original the one reason, was good. The, the movie one was good. The, this actually yeah. comes up on my, my list at some point in time. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> But I was just kind of trying to get the gist of why this one popped up on yours instead of, like, the first edition. The first edition, and this may go back to me actually building an actual plastic model of the first edition. Yeah. It's just a very blocky uh it kind of haphazard kind of look at i love the fact that they took that design and made it sleek and pretty and sexy and curvy and i don't know i just i like this one pretty much the best of any of the the series and movie ones that were out there okay all right stop share there you go my next comes from a movie series that is based off of one of the comic books that I have collected for years. I have the first edition, first print of this comic book series. Do tell. Hit the button, man. Hit the button. Scott's number 15 is the Milano. 
from the Guardians of the Galaxy. And it was named after? Uh, hang on. Hang on. Bear with. You should just know. It's, Bear it's with. written right there. Come on, man. I know this is trivia. I didn't even have to read it. <laughs> I don't have it in my stuff. It's right oh, there oh, on wait, the page. It's right Alyssa there. Milano. Alyssa Milano. Sorry. <laughs> Alyssa Milano, who gave up her Tesla to buy a Hitler car. Yeah, yeah, but she looks great in seashells. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> this is from Guardians of the Galaxies. I'm going it's a good to, one, man. I ain't going to lie. That's a good one. I'm going to read off a little list here of people that were in this movie. And I'm telling you, all-star fucking cast here. Th- this movie took me totally by surprise i did not go see this movie in the theaters originally Mm -hmm. and i was so ticked off when i saw it because it was like this is the best marvel movie i've ever seen in my life this is fantastic chris pratt dave bautista the old uh wrestler bautista Mm -hmm. vin diesel bradley bradley cooper stan lee just that list alone, you should sit there and go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> this ship excites the hell out of me. You missed your chick from uh, from Doctor Who in there, too, man. Who's so? No. Uh, um, there's the one that plays uh, her sister. Oh, um... The Irish girl. Karen Gillian. Yes. Uh, yeah. Karen Gillian? No. Karen, oh, dear. Karen Gillian played Nebula, which... Uh, I think you're getting the names confused. Wasn't Karen Gillan in uh, X-Files? No, that was Angelian. Angela. Okay, my bad. Okay. All right, so the Milano. Here, I have to bring up my new stats here. The Milano, general information, current location, Bearheart, status damaged. It's an M-class ship. Uh, That's not what you want to watch. There you go. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good looking ship. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so on some of these, I have great stats and stuff, but this ship was hard to find information about. I don't know how fast it goes. I don't know anything about the propulsion system. All I can tell you. It went through the way gates, or not the way gates, but the it went through space gates or yeah. So it wasn't faster than light, but it yeah, transportation, yeah, whatever. Yep. 
All I can tell you is that the characters that ran it were Peter Quill, Ravager, Rocket Raccoon, and Yandu Udanta. Yandu had his own ship. Well, he he apparently possessed this ship at some point in time in his career. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gave it to um, Quill as his, yeah. Another movie that I kind of sat back and I was like, Bradley Cooper in this Brilliant movie. Brilliant as Rocket, as the voice of Rocket. Oh, my God. Is so intense and awesome. Batista. Batista. Who, who knew he had a sense of humor? You're, <laughs> you're talking about a freaking wrestler. And he's funny as shit. Oh, my God. In all the flakes. Anyways, this ship has one of the best cargo bays. Plus, you have all of that area that they live in. You you see all of these videos of them in their rooms and stuff like this. It just is a freaking starship you want to fly in. Like the engines built in the wings have move, yeah, they move mm-hmm. within the wings when you're in atmosphere. Yeah, it's just a, it's a, yeah, you got the aerodynamics, you got the spaceship quality, you got a great, uh, color, uh, palette on there. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Right, move that down to there. All right. We are on your number 15. 15. And I hit that button, and I hit that button, and I hit that button, and it's Spaceball 1. <laughs> Only because it goes from suck to blow. <laughs> and in doing a little bit of research, the design of Spaceball 1 was inspired by the Japanese battleship Yamato. Do you remember that spaceship? Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> Production designer Terrence Marsh had not had any previous interest in designing science fiction films, but said Spaceballs appealed to him because it was obviously crazy. Uh, on this movie, the chief model makers were Grant McCune, Chris Ross, David Beasley, Corey Fauscher, Jay Roth, John Eves, Tom Pack, Davis, Susie Schneider, Smokey Stover. The model department special design was run by Ray Berkland and Ron Thornton. Don't know any of these guys' names, but by goodness, they needed said because it was a great spaceship. So that's all I got to say about that. Space balls. I love space balls. <laughs> We're marketing. We All break right. for nobody. <laughs> My next up is the Death Star. I guess technically, yes, that is a spaceship. It does move around space. So, yep. Okay. Too bad it's got this little, you know, thing of the 
small okay. thermal exhaust port just below the main port that can yeah, let that it blow would up. Suck. That would suck. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can read this. The original Death Star. I can't read it. Okay. The original We're not going to read it. Well, okay. Because it's long. <laughs> um, so, Star Wars came out in 1977. There were yeah. two versions of the Death Star. The one that I picked is version one. Well, it was completed. It looked pretty. Yeah. Um, and it had, well, both of them had the the weapon that worked. Um in 1977, we had almost like an all-star cast. We just they weren't did, stars yet, except for we, well, Alec Guinness. That was, yeah, that was the point I was just about to make. Sorry, sorry. Was that none of them were well-known at this point in time. But this really kicked off their their careers yet mark hamill harrison ford carrie fisher peter cushing he was another one that was old old time yeah he was cool as shit oh my god all four of those were huge in the entertainment industry after this indiana jones oh yeah Oh, Corvette wow. Summer. Oh yeah, Corvette. Yeah. I'm surprised you remembered that. Yeah, oh, dude, I love that movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> so the Death Star's width was 160 kilometers. Oof. Engines. It had 125 engines in it. They were Kuwait Drive, and they were sublight engines. Hyperdrive rating was Class 4. The power plant was a hypermatter annihilation reactor. <laughs> the hull. Quadrinium steel. I'm surprised you could pronounce that. Armament. Super lasers. Mark one super laser, which is the big (laughs) ass thing. That's the best name they could come up with. It's not a laser. It's a super laser. Super laser. And over (laughs) 7,000 laser firing turrets. Love turrets. Had a complement of 7,000 starfighters. And it had 228 docking bays. What a fucking beast. It was a moon, dude. It was a small moon. What do you expect? It was a big, big planet killer. I know people can't see this, but I actually have a schematic up of the Death Star. The thing's massive. <laughs> it's just huge. That's what uh, she said. 
All right. So that was my number 14. We're up to Burke. Uh, my number 14, we've seen it before. It's the Red Dwarf. <laughs> Again? Again. Designed by Peter Rag. Uh, when his father's business had a contract with AP Films, run by Puppet Show Supremo, Jerry Anderson. Have we heard that name before? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. He worked for them as a gopher and then as a production and an effects designer in several of Anderson's popular series. Moving over to the BBC, he worked on shows such as Doctor Who, and he appeared as an alien in one episode. Some mothers do have him, and particularly as the designer of Red Dwarf. So this has got ties to Space 1999. Uh, this has got ties to Doctor Who, and um yeah what was the puppet show that 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 all this started from the the thunderbirds yes the thunderbirds puppet show so yeah it's still a cool ship well twice that is that our first double uh yes but not our last yeah i'm sure all right next up Knew you're going to have that on this list. <laughs> Doctor Who, the TARDIS. I damn near put this one on my list, too. The TARDIS, which stands for Time and Relative, Relative Dimension in Space, is a fictional hybrid time machine and spacecraft that appears in a British sci-fi show called Doctor Who. Uh, what, what drew this spaceship to me is the fact that for every new doctor, they get a new TARDIS. Or at least a new interior. The outside looks the same. The sounds are the same, but the interior is different. Ooh, you're going to like this. I think there was only one character ever. God damn, is that the Richard Baker that is, interior? That is the original 1963 interior. Uh, oh, that was all in black and white. I've never seen it in color. That's kind of cool. Now, there that's, was only one, now wait, one, that's not Richard Baker's yet. No, no, no. That was, uh, I can't remember his name. There was, what, three doctors before him? Mm-hmm. Um, there was only one character in the entire series that did not say it's bigger on the inside. There was one gal who walked inside, walked outside, walked inside, walked outside, walked around it, came back inside and said, it's smaller on the outside. <laughs> so. The first TARDIS. Very bland. Second TARDIS, a little bit more color. This TARDIS went on from 1977 to 1983. This is Baker's. Gotcha. And probably someone else, too. Yeah, probably. Forget who was after Baker. Third TARDIS, 
1983 to 1989. Hey, there's a CRT in that one. <laughs> Fourth TARDIS. Now we're getting into the uh, uh, cyberpunk kind of look. 2005 to 2010. And this one was actually a really cool design. This, oh, okay, so for those of you who are Doctor Who fans, the fourth TARDIS is David Tennant's TARDIS. The next TARDIS goes on to, uh, God, I can't, Matt, Matthew Smith, something like that. So, yeah. And you'll notice there's a lot more eccentric stuff on it, like the yeah. uh, gramophone at the top and the stuff like horn that. and copper and yeah. manual switches and <laughs> a typewriter, a manual typewriter. That so, one's pretty. Now we're into the sixth TARDIS, which was uh, Capaldi. Yeah. Peter? Peter, Peter Cabaldi? Yeah, I yeah. think so, yeah. Uh, and, and you'll notice it's a little bit more industrial. But I kind of like the fact that they brought back the, the they look like huge nut bolts and nuts you know along the back there from oh, yeah. the original oh yeah now the last picture i have is just a rendering but i think this is what the next tardis is gonna be that's pretty cool looking man not gonna lie got some tron vibes going on there Tron vibes, very dark. And the next Doctor Who that comes in is going to be dealing with the end of the world stuff. So I like the dark. Is, the, is this the one with the lady or is she already done her series? She's already done. Okay. So that was my number 13. The oh. TARDIS. Along with five, six different versions of it. Yeah. Weird, because like 10 or 12 doctors doing them all, though. Well, in the beginning, they didn't change it for every doctor. So it wasn't until the 80s that they started going, okay, we'll have a new TARDIS. There you go. But all the TARDISes are really cool. Oh, yeah. Even the old ones. I mean, you're talking about 1960s, 70s thoughts. And they came up with a guy who travels through time. And space. And space. Oh, just, yeah. So cool. <laughs> Alrighty, so don't have a lot of info about the next one. I just really love the design of this thing. This is, and I think I'm going to sneeze. Hit the mute button just at the right time there. Good one. 
Prometheus. This is the spacecraft Prometheus from the movie Prometheus, which is basically before aliens when they go and actually find where the alien spacecraft came from. And it's, it's, this is kind of reminds me a little bit of, of serenity and the fact that the engines uh, are movable. Like the, the four engines are, are cool because they're kind of stacked in that middle picture there. They're the main drive unit, but they can also fold down for vertical takeoff and landing. It's just a solid, solid design. I love the, the fact that the bridge is so forward and all glass and you have all this view and everything. Uh, production designer was Arthur Max and many others. That's all the information I could find about this particular spaceship. And so many that's others. it. Yeah. But it's just, I, I, the first time I saw this, movie, I was like, man, that is a, it's, it's not huge. It's not small. It, it was just, you know, like I, I would tool around the universe in that thing. That's, that's pretty awesome. So anyway, that's all I got to say about that one. Scott's number 12 comes from the world of Star Trek. <laughs> this is the Klingon bird of prey. And what's kind of cool about the starship is that even when it was in Star Trek, the first version. Second movie. It hasn't changed. Yeah. They used that all the way through Next Generation and even the movies with the Next Generation. And yeah, it's just a, it's a wicked cool design. Now, this clash is one of the earliest clashes. Clashes. Clash of Clans? Classes of starships encountered by Earth's Starfleet during the early 2150s series. The first encounter occurred on the outer perimeter of the Sol system. And these ships are, these ships as early as late. Oh, wait. Start Starfleet, however, had known of the existence of these ships as early as 2115. The Bird of Prey design was revamped over the next two centuries and was used to represent several different variations of this class that were collectively known under the same name. Yep. Bird of Praise were there quite a long time. Yeah, it's a, it's a kick-ass design. I love that ship. Uh, let's see here. Tactical systems. The ship possessed eight forward disruptor banks. And I think what they mean by disruptor is it's kind of like a laser system. Yeah. Uh, you can see four on the wingtips there. Some yeah. of them had like the big gun underneath the bridge section there. Well, that 
that and that might have been photon torpedo launchers if i'm not mistaken i'm not quite sure there were two cannons up front called disruptor cannons and they could fire uh disruptor cannon shot shells at a 360 degree turret so the thing could spin all the way around all the way around and shoot it any direction (laughs) and he had the cloaking device too now here's one of the things that dude emma haynes they got me going here there's an actual haynes manual if you go to Haynes website, now this is this is a company that builds manuals to fix cars. They have a Haynes manual. And let me guess, it's all written in Klingon. It is. Oh my god. <laughs> it is all written in shapes. But apparently it spells something out. No, yeah, no, that's it. People learn that language, which kills me, man. Absolutely <laughs> insane. Uh, there you go. Uh, All right. So I need to scoot down to yeah, move that down a little bit. Ba, 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 ba. Da, da, da. Okay. Share screen. That one and share. My number 12 is from Star Trek The Next Generation. It is the <sighs> Borg Cube. I didn't put that on my list. There's just something. And once again, it's like, you know, a spaceship is just a sphere. Who cares? It's out in space. This is just a block. It is just so function over form and just bad. And when they first showed up in, what was that? The third season, I think maybe it was just, it was just badass, man. The original concept for the Borg Cube was conceived by writer-producer Maurice Hurley and designed by production designer Richard James. The original studio model was built from the simple embellishments that Rick Sternbach and Richard James had created based on the description of the cubicle ship given in the script. So basically, he said, build a cubicle ship. And I'm just assuming that they took every plastic model that they could and stuck shit on a cube because that's kind of what it looks like but it just makes it awesome so uh i didn't add this to my list and i probably should have <laughs> i always liked how the green light yeah. and kind of seeped out through different areas uh great starship yep i guess it's me if we ever do a deep dive into Star Trek, we'll probably talk about them at some point. All right. My number 11 is the Imperial Star Destroyer. Now, I got caught up on this tonight because the Imperial Star Destroyer, there were two different variants. Yet... There were like 25 different Star Destroyers <laughs> in Star Wars. So I had a tough time finding information and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I 
am showing the picture of the Star Destroyer that I liked, which was the very first one. And it comes down to seeing it in that first scene. Yeah. When over the, what was it, Carillion ship? It was uh, Princess Leia's Corvette. Yeah. Shows up first, and then that one comes overhead, and they're over the planet of Alderaan. Yeah. The way that George Lucas framed that and had that ship just kind of come over in shadow. And keep going and going and going, and you're like, holy crap, how big is this damn thing? Yeah, it was it, awesome. Awesome oh. enough that, that uh, th- they did the same thing with uh, Spaceballs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Except for that ship was like three times as long. Um, it just, this ship really turned me on when I saw it the first time. Uh, it, it was even good. I mean, it was really cool to see it in Empire when he's closely attacking it and clamps onto the back end of it. Yeah, it's, 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 excellent design it's not on my list but yeah it's that's an excellent ship all right uh manufacturer quad drive yards line star destroyer model imperial class number one cost 150 million credits <laughs> length 1600 meters uh engines destroyer l ion engines three of them sickness spakeworks gemin for ion engines so it uses the ion engines to itself at a normal speed and then the other three engines the big ass boys are what speed takes it to warp or hyperdrive they're a beast i mean you're and that whole triangle that that whole triangle shape is just yeah just a badass shape Oh my gosh, it just, the way that they frame that in the very beginning with it flying overhead, you were like, holy shit, that's awesome. And then enveloping enveloping the entire spaceship it was chasing into one of its bays, you're like, holy crap, this thing's big. Well, I mean, the ship, the Corvette that Princess Leia was on fit into a bay that was what 125th yeah <laughs> just insane it was a great <laughs> ship it's the first big ship that you see in star wars and that's why i fell in love with it <laughs> all right sir all right i need to move this down a few done this a little better i apologize
Alrighty then. Share screen. That one. Oh, my number 11 is the mothership from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Probably just because it's so shiny and pretty. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's bigger than the freaking mountain, you know. It, the ship was actually conceived by Steven Spielberg. Uh, it was made by a team headed by Gregory Jeanne. I'm so I'm, if I butcher your name, I apologize. Using model train parts and other kits, uh, when filmed with special photographic and lighting effects, the model appeared to be huge. It appeared to be a huge hovering craft, rotating. Colored lights underneath the ship added to its effects. Looking closely at the model, one can find tiny, hidden, smaller models, which are not seen when the mothership appears in the film. These models were added by the model makers as internal jokes. They include a Volkswagen bus, a submarine, the R2-D2 android, and a U.S. mailbox, an aircraft, and small cemetery plots. <laughs> they used everything on this model just because it was so massively huge. So, But it's just... I mean, when that thing came down and flipped over in that movie, you were just like, holy crap, this is amazing. And it's just, it's just a good design. It, it's, it has that flying saucer look because it's all round and everything. And, but it just adds on top of that. You got this like chandelier almost on the underside of it. Well, it was, you know? it was also multicolored, which kind of induces something in your, feelings oh yeah when you see it a gorgeous ship yep uh yeah good luck with this um i don't think y'all know this one I am not familiar with that ship. This is from a TV show called Alien Resident. Hmm. And it is, I think it's on CBS right now. Um, this is Harry's ship. And Harry came to the, the world to exterminate all of the human race well that's not very nice no uh harry crash landed and took over the body of a doctor in the town and he essentially became the general practitioner Wait, is this Alan Tudiak doing? Yes. The... Oh, okay. I, I I know of it. I've not watched it, but I do know of it. Great show. <laughs> you when only... Alan is involved, it can be no wrong. You only hilarious. See, you only see the starship once, I think, um, because everything else is flashbacks. It's hilarious. <laughs> go watch go watch the show you'll sit back and be like holy fuck he's an idiot <laughs> um anyways 
The whole outer shell is a titanium mixture. So the whole ship can basically be picked up with one finger. Oh, my. But it's got enough power to go into light speed. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, Harry's balls got lost. (laughs) Need balls to... uh... Fly the spaceship. Yeah, he needs balls for power. <laughs> oh my god, dude, you gotta watch the show. It's hilarious. Uh, anyways, I picked this because it's actually a very interesting design. The cockpit is all glass. It's a glass ball, and it's kind of held in like Gandalf's, uh, whatever you call it, staff. Yeah. It's just kind of cool how it's a big sphere of glass that he sits in and the rest of the the ship ship gives you kind of like hot rod vibes. Yeah, it's a good looking ship. Yeah. Yeah. All right, sir. Next up. My number, what is that? My number 10 is... The Discovery One from 2001, A Space Odyssey. This was designed by Harry Lang, who worked as the film production designer and art director for the movie. Underneath that, you will see the original concept art for the Discovery One, which is what the director wanted. But the production designer said, this will not look good on film. And so they redesigned it into this. And it is another one of those, it's function over form. You have the, the engines are way, way far away from the living quarters that are up front. Um, you've got your cockpit, which is just slit. You get the three bays for the pods. And then inside of that, you've got the revolving living quarters that, that with the simple, Trifical force uh, allow you to have like artificial gravity, basically. So that was about all the information I could find out about that particular one. Yeah, right over there, buddy. Okay. Science is getting to you. No, I just sucked it down the wrong pipe. Oh, I hate when that happens. All right. Um, uh, our time is up for the segment. We'll be right back. Okay. Scott forgot to share music and he's dying over there. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's all right, man. Doesn't matter. Our time is up. We'll be back.
buddy. <laughs> Gonna make it through the other half of the list? <laughs> oh. My doctor said that I had to get my tonsils removed. Oh, good. Uh, They're apparently inflamed. And he said that part of the reason why I'm (laughs) having trouble breathing and coughing all the time is because my tonsils are inflamed. And I keep telling the doctor I refuse to get surgery. And this is just a... I went through my entire childhood being put on drugs for stupid shit. (laughs) And I just... I don't know. But... I choke a lot. And uh, and there's a joke in there somewhere, but I ain't touching it. Uh, <laughs> the joke is that I'm still fucking alive. <laughs> I don't know. Man, I, I apologize. I had a really bad coughing experience. And uh, yeah, we've all been there. I muted that mic. I didn't let you hear it, and I apologize. But I'm also 
the kind of person that uh I don't believe in medicine. I don't believe in that shit. You know what? If I'm supposed to die, I'm supposed to die. Yeah, I'm on the other direction. I've always believed it's better living through chemistry has always been my motto. Well, give me some drugs. <laughs> <laughs> There's right. some good ones if you get the tonsils out. <laughs> well, <laughs> Uh, you gotta admit it's probably a lot easier safer and quicker today than it was you know 20 30 years ago you know i'm gonna get it done i know i will but it just uh i've always kind of been that person that i i don't take pills i don't do drugs you know I don't know. <laughs> I spent my entire childhood having needles punched in me. And I'm to the point now where it's like, fuck you. <laughs> you know, I, if I die, I die. I have done everything in my life that I want to do. I don't want to be like my dad who couldn't walk for the last 20 years of his life. So it's just tonsils. I'll have them cut out fuckers. All right. We're up on my number nine, my friend. Cool. Are you ready? What pray tell is your number nine? I don't think you want to know. <laughs> my number nine is doo, 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 the <laughs> NCC one seven zero one number one, <laughs> the first USS Enterprise. Why is this on my list? That's the thing probably got you started in sci-fi in the first place. Started it all. Captain Kirk and the Trebles. <laughs> that, that was the first episode I've ever seen of Star Wars. Trouble with Tribbles was your first episode? Damn. The good one to start on. I wasn't allowed to watch it when Why? I was younger. I don't know. Hmm. Ask my parents. Wasn't allowed to watch it until I became like 10 years old. And then I was like, holy hell, there's a <laughs> whole universe out there, guys. <laughs> that was a that Harry Mudd episode. He, he showed up in like three or four of the uh, original Star Trek episodes, I think. Oh, yeah. Now, this ship, this ship is actually pretty fucking stellar. I don't, I'm not going to contest that. 2335 was the first year that this ship was out in space. It was commissioned in that year. Uh, a tough-ass fighter um style 
Battle Star Battle Spaceship. <laughs> um, I kind of sat back and I was like, you know, there's two ships in the Star Trek universe that I sit back and and I go, well, three ships, but <clears throat> there's two ships in the Federation that I sit back and go, oh, these are the ships to die for. <laughs> now, you've got a picture of the original and the A, yes. which is from the first, <laughs> second, and third movies, if I recall. Yes. So all of these ships were... Uh, Captain by Captain Kirk. William Const- Shatner. Constitution class, I believe. <laughs> yes. Federation Constitution class. Uh, the first Federation ship sent out was sent out in 2020, 2045. And it was in service until 2020. 85 and it was captained by captain kirk the entire time this was the ship that started the whole sci-fi movement that that is why i put it into my number nine (laughs) uh I have a little bit more, but I'm going to save it for the next one. Okay, fair enough. So, no, not touch screen. There we go. Couldn't find my mouse again. All right, ready for my number nine? I am. Mine comes from the Star Wars universe, and it is the executor from the Empire Strikes Back. This is the star. This was Darth Vader's flagship, and it dwarfed the other star destroyers. And it was just as big as those ships were. This thing was like ten times as big, and that just kind of blew my mind. It's just, it's just got a lovely. You got the beautiful lines of the spaceship on the bottom, but you got the rumblies, you know, stuff on the top that looks like it's a. You know, like a city, which it, it really is and everything. Um, this was probably another Ralph McQuarrie design. Um, he was a conceptual designer and illustrator. Uh, his other career works included uh, the Star Wars trilogy, the original Battlestar Galactica, E.T., the extraterrestrial, and Cocoon, for which he won an Academy Award for. That, and that was all the information I could find out about that ship. So that was my number nine. I got a little cat on the back of my chair. How did you get up there? You can't. That's like a show, is it? That's all right. (laughs) I have a cat on my back. (laughs) There you go. Stop sharing. Uh, Oh, my. You have a very beautiful cat hanging out with you. <laughs> What's up? 
What's up, little miss? How you doing? Huh? She's like, how do I get down? You went over here? Huh? Hold on. You just going to sit there? All right. You're going to sit there. Apparently, the cat's just going to sit in the back of my chair. All right. There we go. You got down. Good girl. Scott's back there. number eight. <sighs> USS... my, computer sh- my computer shits off. The cat has stood on the... Uh, he's Okay, she's out. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Number eight. Number seven. USS... Oh, your number eight is also... Oh, gotcha. Enterprise <laughs> NCC 1701 Class D. D. Um, so this is the exact, this was the ship that started the next generation. And, uh, uh, Burke's already gone, gone into detail about the ship. So I'm not going to stay out long, but, um, the next generation was probably a bigger series than the original oh did last longer Mm -hmm. you had a galaxy class starship if i recall correctly yes and it was built at the utopia planitia yards on mars correct i can't remember the designer she was she showed up in a couple episodes too uh let's see here i'm I'm trying to see if it's in my notes but i don't see da, 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 da. leah brahms that's it dr that's leah it. brahms yeah 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 okay good episodes with her too uh some of the enterprises components derived from the technology that was built into and developed on the USS Pegasus. Which I just watched bits of that episode the other day. That was the ship that had a not a quantum cloaking device, but some a phasing cloaking device. <laughs> that was Admiral Riker's first ship that he was on as an officer, I think. Now, the only statistic that I will tell you that I hate that, but I'll bring it up is that this is the only ship that the saucer was released on in every movie. Yeah. Like we didn't use it in the uh, TV show, but like two or three times. Yeah. We're going to use it in the movie a bunch. Yeah. Go, whatever. Although you gotta admit that was a pretty cool scene when the saucer starts dipping down and just does a nosedive towards the planet and data's like, oh shit. <laughs> no, my favorite was in the last movie, one of the engineers said, Oh, not again. <laughs> this is dumb. <laughs> All right. Next up, sir. Oh, I like this one. Already then. Share, share, share. This is a fighter called a gun star from the movie The Last Starfighter. This was all CG. This was one of those really early on CG movies, too. But it's like all engine and all guns. 
and it that's all it's it was it was fast and it had a lot of guns that was you know um it was the designed by artist ron cobb who also worked on alien star wars conan the barbarian uh at age 18 he had progressed to becoming a breakdown artist on the animation feature sleeping beauty back in 1959 and it was the last disney film to have cells inked by hand Bob was engaged by Lucasfilm to produce a conceptual artwork for some fantasy film called Star Wars. Um, and he worked alongside John Molo, Ralph McQuarrie, uh, and created designs for a number of exotic alien creatures for the Moss Eisley Cantina scene. So. All right. I just always liked that film. That was a cute film, but that was just a, it was a cool ship. I like that ship. I don't remember it. Sorry. That's okay. Scott's number seven. <laughs> the Millennium Falcon. I sense a theme. Star Wars. I Star thought about putting Wars. this one on my list, but I would have put a ship called the Ebon Hawk, which was basically like two designs before the millennium falcon and it was in only in the game uh knights uh, of the old republic okay it was just a boxier beefier version of the millennium falcon basically it was it was a cool ship though. well i fell in love with the millennium falcon during the scene when they go to the gun turrets. Yeah. That is what excited me. Now, this ship is built by the Carillion Engineering Corporation. <laughs> it is a YT model. You ever Class. see the artwork where they show how that meets up the, the the two forks in the front of the Millennium Falcon meet up with a, a a barge and it pushes the barge along. Yes. Yeah. Uh length thirty-four point seven five meters. That's only a hundred thirteen feet. Yeah. It's not a big ship. Tugboat. With twenty-five point six one meters, eighty-four feet. And the height is only 26 feet. So Just that's one deck. Yeah. One deck, you're done. Uh, maximum speed is 1,200 kph. Uh, and 0.5 past light speed. Yeah. It is uh, protected by two. To, to what, what is that turrets. called? Uh, but you, there's two turrets, but they're they're doubles with with quad uh, laser guns. Yes. Uh, Fabrotech. No. <laughs> Fabergé eggs. What? What? <clears throat> oh, here's something cool. It actually has. Acrid Tormal RM76 heavy laser cannons, 
That's the two turrets. But then it's got the AG-2 quad laser cannons. Like the front and rear mounted ones, yeah. Yeah. ST-2 concussion missile tubes, so it can fire missiles. So basically, for a light freighter, you got a beefcake. Yeah. Big engine, bunch of big guns. That's about it. (laughs) What else do you need? I'm telling you. All right, sir. My number seven. This is kind of a tough one, but I looked at it. I was like, yeah, I got to have it on the list. This is the Floston Paradise from the Fifth Element. It is a luxury cruiser. This is basically a cruise ship, space ship, and it is freaking humongous. Um, Sylvain Desperates was the concept artist. Uh, he's an independent writer-director who's worked extensively in the USA and Europe in the fields of storyboarding and illustrations. His mentor in the early part of his career was none other than the late Jean Mobius Girard, the world-renowned artist. And Mobius, if you've ever read any uh, heavy metal magazines, was huge. And and almost every bit of artwork from The Fifth Element was taken directly from Mobius. So, But yeah, this is just, it's just a cool design. Like they took a, a steamboat and a spaceship and a luxury liner and a spaceship and it's just all i just i don't know it's and the inside of it is spectacular it was one of the largest sets with one of the largest explosions ever caught on film when they did the film like people were worried they were going to burn the building down (laughs) burn the building down all righty my friend what do you got next all right I know that ship. I know any minute. Hang on. I I worked on that it was the Pegasus Battlestar. But it's actually the Galactica class ship. Gotcha. And that um, is And that is what? That almost looks like from the reboot TV series. Yes, the picture that I have up right now is from the new version. Okay, okay. But it's basically the same. Yeah. Uh, The thing about this ship that really turned me on was the outskirting areas where the ships fly out and fly in. Yeah, the two landing the, and yeah, the two landing pods. Yeah, um, just incredibly smart to design it this way. Back in the what seventies? Yeah, oh, I usually have it written down there. Uh, seventy-eight, probably, because I know John Dixtra. Who worked on Star Wars walked worked on this as their head designer, and Lucas was pissed off that he was stealing designs and technology. And so yeah. there's seventy eight or seventy nine when the original Battlestar series came out. It, that was a it was funny because they actually did a pilot episode, a two hour pilot, you know, two 
two one hour fight. Put it out as a movie in the movie theaters back when. Oh God, what was that sense? It wasn't. Yeah, it was sense around. Basically, yeah. you had this humongous box in the back of the theater that was just basically like you know massive base thing, and it just rumbled the whole theater every time there was an explosion. Um, there was a World War Two movie. It, Midway, I think, was in sense around. This movie was also in sense around. Didn't last very long, but yeah. <laughs> now. One of the things that that got me really interested in the ship is we talked about the Viper uh, starship earlier. Mm-hmm. And this ship is supposed to be able to complement a bunch of those Vipers. They have. 74 launch tubes. Holy cow. Just for the Vipers. <laughs> Six of their Raptors can take off at the same time. So you're <laughs> talking about 80, 80 opportunities every minute to launch a ship this thing's going to be very well protected um i i'm showing a picture right now and and i know burke's the only one that can see it it's actually really cool because this is the only picture i've ever found of any of the starships that i talk about where it's the bottom view Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And you can actually see how the ship has been built with the side pods kind of being attached in a way that that it builds structure to the whole thing. I'm so impressed with this. I think in the reboot series on the galactica i think those launch bays were motorized and could actually be tucked into the ship to protect the landing bays from attack you could still send out ships but they just couldn't land when they were tucked in i think because yeah this is definitely the pegasus from the new series which i i I did not get entirely all the way through the new series. I don't know if this one got destroyed or not. I remember in the original uh, TV series, the Pegasus showed up in like season two or three. Yeah. And it looked exactly like the Galactica. So, well, well, there you go. That was my number six. This one will be real short and sweet because I've got information about this guy later on. And hey, look, it's Klingon Bird of Prey from Star Trek. Oh, hey. <laughs> I think we've already talked about this yep. one. Uh, the designer's name is Neo Rodus Jamero, and I will talk about him on another spaceship down below. But yeah, I and I this is another one where I I built a this was actually one of my favorite models I ever built. Um plastic model kit, but 
the wings were still actuated so you could move them up and down. And I did one of the best paint jobs I've ever done because I got like spray paint for models and, and did the green highlights here and there, took black and like highlighted the edges and it just looked battle worn and it, it, it would looked so good. And uh, yeah, it's just a, just a solid design of a ship. It's, it's ugly and graceful at the same time. If that makes any sense. It just looks so massively nasty with the guns underneath. Kind of like there's that like art deco thing going uh, on in a couple. Of, yeah. It's just, a, it's yeah. That's a, just a cool looking ship. All right. Great ship. All right. My number five is here. Then I have to find my mouse. <laughs> on one of seven screens. Hmm. Isn't there a shortcut that you can like hit a key and it like flashes the mouse or something? <coughs> yep. Okay. Can't remember what it is, but somewhere. Alrighty, All right. Number five. On the home stretch. <sighs> I knew that was going to show up. <laughs> Space Battleship Yamato. 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 Star Blazers, 1974 to 1975. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I know somebody's going to send me an email because they redid it later on. Uh, But it originally came out in 1974. And, you know, they use that name as the Enterprise D's sister ship that, like, got destroyed in, like, episode four or five of the first season. Correct. Now, this ship comes with two three-cannon turret laser-fired guns. One of the coolest ships you will ever see, and it's Japanese anime. (laughs) And they basically took a battleship, made it way longer, gave it some fins, gave it some guns, gave it a... Didn't it have the big gun? It had the big gun gun. (laughs) that comes out the front. Uh, Just... It's... A gorgeous World War II battleship that's been converted into a starfighter. And it's a beast, man. That main cannon that comes and shoots out the front can do so much. It's like a Death Star, but it's a battleship. Like when Voltron whipped out the flaming sword, you know it was all over with. Oh, hell yeah, buddy. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, the Yamato is... It's a fabulous ship. They had a model online. It's like one-fifth scale, something like that. It's, It's weird. $770. Dang. And you had to build it? Yeah, you have to build it yourself. Damn, buddy. Um, 
Japanese animes into some bucks. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Uh, I watched this series for, well, it ran for two years. And uh, just like Battlestar Galactica, you kind of run into a brick wall when you've accomplished your mission. Where do you go from there? (laughs) It's the exact same thing, but it's such a cool ship. Y'all have to go watch it. All right. Next up. We have Brother Burke. Share screen. Go here. I think we've seen this one before. Serenity oh, from Firefly. Yes. So production designer Carrie Meyer began creating it when the series of with a series of thumbnail sketches, which were followed by refined drawings and then paper and clay models. I went through 20 or so different phases of concept. A 15-foot practical model was built by Grant McCune, um, which was designed for the crash landing sequence in the film. Um, that ship had only ever been CGI up until that point in time. So it was all CGI in the original TV show. Uh, the, the ship is actually designed by director Josh Whedon, uh, production designer Carrie Meyer, and visual effects supervisor Lonnie. I'm going to screw his last name, but Perister. 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 The collaboration led to uh, more consistency between the live action and digital effects. Um, they built an entire contiguous interior set for this ship. Was it? For sure, for the movie, because they did a long, long Mal's walking through the whole ship, and he walks through the entire ship, top decks, bottom decks, everything. It was just amazing. Um, The digital model that ship was originally created by Zoic Studios, who also developed methods to digitally replicate live-action filming techniques, which was a first for television. These allowed digital renderings of the ship to blend in with the documentary found footage filming style of a live action series. So that's all I got to say about that. We're starting to really move. Hey, number four. (laughs) another ship that we've already talked about this is discovery run one from 2001 a space odyssey uh i don't think that we really need to go into the same more because we've already discussed it yeah yeah kernow uh you got this designed by walter kernow I think Walter Kernow actually designed Hal because he shows up in the movie 2010 as Hal's, you know, psychologist, basically, because he had built the computer for the ship. Um, Yeah, I think we had talked about this movie before. The fact that it's beautiful, but slow as sin. (laughs) (laughs) It's very very subtle as it moves along. Um, but ultimately figuring out that Hal is bad news. Uh, he's caught in a logic loop. 
that was just really a really nice story arc in the second film that was closed off. He was he was told to lie, but he's a computer. He doesn't know how to lie, and that's what caused the glitches. You had to kind of infer that from the first movie because after uh, the astronaut turns Hal off, he discovers the message from the president telling them right hey there's stuff out there you gotta lie about it it's you know that messes them up yeah the the sad fact is that the machine becomes at fault but it was the human that caused the fault and and it's it's a great flick people go watch it you'll love it all right, sir. Heading back to Star Wars territory here. My next number four is the Slave One, Boba Fett's ship from Empire Strikes Back. I just love the fact that this was not your typical, you walked on board, just sat down and took off. This thing was... You walked up, climbed in, and you were laying on your back until the spaceship took off. And it was, I I don't know, man. It was just, you had movable engines. It had wicked sound effects, Um, especially in like the prequel movies when Django Fett had the ship. Um, So this is designer Neo Ruddus Jamero, who also did the Klingon Bird of Prey. Uh, he's a visual effects art director on Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country, and costume designer on Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier. Uh, he was, yeah, credited as being the inventor of the Klingon Bird of Prey and the U.S. Excelsior spaceship. Um, he was born in the Philippines, immigrated to the U.S. after graduating high school. Uh, began his career as a Chevrolet car designer for General Motors and then began working on uh, special effects with uh, Joe Johnson, who hired him as a designer for George Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic. Uh, Aside from Star Trek work, he contributed to films uh, such as the original Star Wars trilogy, Poltergeist, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Flubber, and Home Alone 3. And he has lately been working as the art director for the... (laughs) 2010 film Alice in Wonderland. So, awesome. There you go. <laughs> I actually found out some info about the guy who actually designed the ship. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take one more break and then we're going to finish this shit up. <laughs> you going to make it there, buddy? Yeah, I'm fine. All right. My, my throat hurts, but yeah. we'll make it. All right. We'll be right back. Talk to you soon. You forgot to share your music again. You know that and fourth dimensional thinking. Yeah. It was a good song, too. Just restart it. Too much time on my hands? No.
I have a headache. Now that he can't hear me, my head would hurt too if it looked like his.
We're back. <laughs> I'm sitting here singing the song. I'm sorry. It's so good, man. <sighs> song just gets me. I don't know why. <laughs> All right. We are on my number four. And it is the Eagle One. Which I haven't seen on Burke's list yet. Yet being the word you're looking yeah. for there. <laughs> this really should have been like my number one choice. Um, but when you see my number one, you'll understand why. Uh, Martin Landau starred in this show. This show only went from 1975 to 1977. The show is Space 1999, and the Eagle One was their transport on the moon to go to different places or their different bases on the moon. Um, one of the coolest ships you will ever find. And this this ship we started talking about in one podcast, that's what prompted this entire episode this is the ship that started everything uh i'm god i wanted that toy oh my god i wanted that toy i'm showing burke a picture of the toy i got this when i was a kid 
<laughs> it was the best toy. Uh, the, the thing about the Eagle One was that it was quick and it had distance, but it never left the surface of the moon. It had four, four nuclear fission rockets and four chemical rockets. So if they had to emergency egress from moon base alpha, they could. They could go back to the to to Earth off of this ship. The truss work that they did on the backbone of the ship. Yeah, it's like that old Sikorsky helicopters and shit, man. It's it's awesome. It's just so awesome. It's one of the best starships ever made and it was made back in the 70s but you look at it that's something that we could have right now yeah it holds up because it's it's very functional yeah you know um like i said this this series only ran for three years uh we never saw eagle one leave the moon but it had the opportunity to do it. It would do sublight speed. Uh, yep, good choice. Wait, 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 wait. Um, range, 16 billion miles. <laughs> Passengers. Eight in the cargo bay. Sorry, I'm <laughs> loading here. Um, armament fixed laser under the nose, and there are two ex extendable turrets, and it is fueled with compressed hydrogen. Standard flight endurance, 96 hours. So it can run 96 hours just on propulsion alone. <laughs> yep, it is a workhorse. Yeah, it, it, was, it was built to be a, a mining and excavator. Um, Tow truck and... Yeah. Cargo hauler and it's the big beast. Yep. That's All right, that. sir. What do you have? Uh, there it is. Probably not going to see this one coming. This is the Delta Flyer from the Star Trek series Voyager. Okay, I've never watched Voyager, so this is all new to me. Go on. Okay, the reason that I like this ship is, A, it's very pretty, but it was built to be a hot rod. It was actually built on Voyager by a couple of crew members that wanted a, a, a bigger space shuttle that could handle going faster, going further, whatever. And, and it's kind of cool because 
uh, Tom Paris was the the pilot of of Voyager. He actually put in manual levers because he was into like seventies race cars and shit like that. So it actually has a couple of like manual levers instead of just the whole display, like you know, on on the uh, Enterprise D. You know, everything is all touchscreen. There's you know nothing, but this one actually had some like you know when you. Did the throttle forward? It was a big manual throttle. And everything. Uh, this was designed by Rick Sternbach, who worked on Star Trek: The Motion Picture, and Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Um, he also worked as an illustrator on The Last Starfighter, which we had talked about earlier. Um, he was hired along with Andrew Probert, who we heard before, uh, to do the uh, Star Trek series, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, he had heard news about the Next Generation on his car radio, and then quickly called gene roddenberry's office like i want a job um and he was big into a lot of the next generation stuff uh he did deep space nine he did voyager he did props like the phasers the tricorders the pads the communicator badges were all based on his designs and uh in 2015 he's also a member on the board of advisors for the hollywood science fiction museum so this guy's got some he's got some got some cred behind him so and if you and actually it, voyager was actually a pretty enjoyable series in my opinion i, I kind of liked it i i like the fact that in the snippet you had up there um it said that this little starship started development in during the next generation yeah so uh, that's really kind of cool how we're getting starships built that started in one series and moved on. Yep, yep. Uh, anyways, we're on to my number four. Maybe your number three. No, you're number two. There you go. Number two. <laughs> Buck Rogers. I don't know if any of our young listeners are gonna remember buck neil gerard but buck who's the lady in this um aaron oh god what was her last name her first name was aaron oh ow smoking she was smoking hot oh yeah and then they had yeah and they they were constantly putting her in spandex which didn't hurt my feelings at all. I'm not gonna I'm lie. Gonna, I'm Aaron Gray, that's her name. Was that it? I thought Aaron Gray yep. was yeah. Aaron Gray, American model casting agent, and Colonel Wilma Deering in the f- science fiction TV's mm. Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Mm-mm-mm. Yep. Nothing but love there. Um yeah. That was a short-lived show. It only had two seasons, I think. Uh, I should. Yeah, only two seasons. And this, I almost put this one on my list too. And there was one of the guys that that I have talked about also did the design for this ship. I just don't remember who it was. So. The- oh, yeah, Battlestar Galactic. They wanted to use this as a ship on the original series of Battlestar Galactica. That's it. The uh, 
There you go. The original design of this was based off off of the F-14 Falcon. Uh, It doesn't have swept wings or anything like that, but it was a twin-engine design that was out at that point in time. And they... I got that Delta Wing thing going on, like some of the French jets. Yeah. Um. The Starfighter could actually hold up to four people and was the only vehicle in their arsenal that could do torpedoes as well as lasers. Laser beams. Lasers. Um, anyways, Buck Rogers wasn't around long and... Uh, but I thought this was a really cool design because it was based off of military hardware we yeah. already had. Yeah, I, I really did love that design of that ship. I, was, I, I thought about putting it on my list also. It was a good show, though. Um, <clears throat> two weeks? For me, a cheap TV knockoff of something else. Yeah, it was pretty good, actually. What the hell was it? the robot? Tui? Tweaky. Tweaky. Oh. Voiced by Mel Blanc. And honestly, people, you could find t-shirts everywhere with Twiggy on it. Bitty, bitty, bitty. Bitty. All right, sir. Blip, blip, blip. My number two is one of your previous ones. The Colonial Viper from the original Battlestar Galactica. Oh, that's the original there. Uh huh. Oh, hey, look, yeah. Ralph McQuarrie. Where have we heard that name before? Mm. <laughs> this seems, dude gets around, man. Seems to be kind of big in the uh, in the sci-fi. Um, oh yeah, sci-fi. Well, he did. You see the little picture below there. That's some of the original concept art for Star Wars, which that is also something that Ralph McQuarrie did. Um, Now, John Dixtra, who was part of uh, ILM originally, um, was a special effects supervisor for Battlestar Galactica. Um, One of the original employees of Industrial Light and Magic and Special Effects and Computer Graphics Division for Lucasfilm. Um, He did uh, visual effects for the lightsabers, the X-Wing, the TIE Fighters, and the Force Powers. Um, he also led the special effects on many other movies, such as Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. Stuart Little, X Men First Class, Spider Man, and Spider Man Two. But uh, I, yeah, I had a I had a plastic model of that original Viper, and it, I just love the fact that it's three big honking engines, two big guns, a couple of fins in case you're in atmosphere, and a tiny cockpit. Have a nice day. <laughs> able to launch 74 of them at a time <laughs> yeah i ready then i love that thing i guess we're on my number one yes and uh i hope people are not disappointed in the well there's my mouse I hope you're not disappointed in this, but I go back to Star Wars. All right, man. We are at Scott's number one, 
And this is the X-Wing fighter. That particular picture, I think, is from the movie Rogue One, which was kind of a previous version of the original Star Wars one, but very yeah. close. Um, wait till you see the next pictures. <laughs> uh, the cost of this little single person fighter was 150 credits. It is. That's it. It's a yes. bargain. It is 44 feet long. 10 metric tons. <laughs> but and you know it can still lift it. And it can accelerate at 3,700 G's per second. Yeah, that's Wait. a beast. It's a beast, man. I always kept wondering, like, you know, when you're in outer space, who cares about opening up wings because they don't do anything? And then I realized that's so you have a bigger range of fire, like, you know, hitting stuff while you're moving is tough. But if you've got these four guns that are way, way out on almost, you know, all axes, you have a much better chance of hitting something. So it's. It was interesting. I, I actually have a book here at the house um, that is the Star Wars technical manual for all the ships that they yes, have. I've seen them, yeah. <laughs> um, like a coffee th- table book. This ship has eight engines, and people don't realize that because you only see four of them. But there are four four Coinsayer GBK 585 hyperdrive motivators and four Novaldex cryogenic power generator engines. So engine-wise, it's actually got four, but you only see or it has, it has eight, eight, but you only see four. But you only see four. It's a hot rod. It's a hot rod. Uh, the armor on it is all titanium. <coughs> you could probably go up to this thing and pick it up. But you said with, it weighed 10 metric tons. Well, it weighs 10 metric tons, but most of that weight's in the back where the engines are. Oh, you say like, it was just the hull? Yeah, you can yeah. probably just lift the thing up. I, I think you can go to the front of this thing and just tip it. Is that like cow tipping, but sci-fi? In a way. <laughs> As well, this ship has refueling. <laughs> So I'm showing a picture of it being refueled by a KC-130 military refueler. refueler. It's freaking hilarious. Uh, Honestly, the the X-Wing, just the way that it can shift its, its wings from the flat wing to the X just really reminds me of that like 
F fourteen era with the swept wings. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it's gotta be one of the coolest fighter it's the fighter that blew up the death star <laughs> you gotta love this thing it's no t16 but it'll do <sighs> all right so that's it for my 20 what- my last one we've seen this bad boy before but to me this had to be my number one <sighs> this is the eagle one from space 1999 ah so Martin Ryan Johnson, the special effects guy, um, during the team of special effects artist Les Bowie, Johnson started his career behind the scenes for Bowie films on productions such as On the Buses and Hammer Films. Uh, he is also known for his special effects work on TV series, including Thunderbirds and films, including Alien, for which he received an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, which was shared with H.R. Giger. Uh, Carol Rambaldi, Dennis Ayling, Nick Alder. Uh, he had built miniature spacecraft models for Stanley Kubrick's film, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Um, this work directly influenced the Star Wars films. Uh, George Lucas actually visited Johnson during the production of this TV series and offered him a role as the effects supervisor for the 77th film. Um, but he was already commissioned for a second series of Space 1989, so he couldn't do it. Um, he, however, accepted work on the sequel, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, he was recognized in the form of a 1981 Special Achievement Academy Award, which he shared with Richard Edlund, Dennis Murin, and Bruce Nicholson. So it seems like everybody in this industry has worked with everybody else in this industry at some point in time, but... Yeah, I just I couldn't get away from that thing. We were talking about it on that one show, and I'm like, yeah, it's just it's just the perfect spaceship, man. It just and, and uh, if you get the chance, go look at video of it flying. 1970s technology, and they were actually able to add thrusters and different stuff like that. It is CO two cartridges i think and then they had like this really fine powder underneath them so that when they blasted off you had all this like fine powder going from underneath it made it just added that extra realism to the miniatures but i mean he'd been working on thunderbirds for years Mm -hmm. which you know that was miniature spaceships you know so he was like already dialed into how to make a miniature look better and more realistic yeah it's I probably should have put that at number one. <laughs> I was having a tough decision. Yeah, this was a tough list for me. Uh, but it's a great starship, huge cargo capacity. And in one of the episodes, Martin Landau literally uses it as a lifeboat. Yeah. And I think the front capsule could come off as like a lifeboat also like if there's engine failure you could detach the front part and it was kind of like a life pod you know yeah. just roll around yeah but yeah very cool stuff great all righty man we made it holy cow holy shit how do we do that <laughs> um yeah it's i mean there's there's my interior of the 
eagle right there. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, for uh, five hours. Yeah. Five hours. Uh, it'll edit down to two. <laughs> if you remember to edit. What oh, I got to cut that out. I got to cut that out. What the hell's editing? <laughs> uh, the problem for future Scott. Oh, wow. I have to, I really got to teach Sam how to edit. <laughs> she has less time than you do. I don't, I don't. I don't think so. Not anymore. Um, I, I, yeah. at least you're getting your hours in, man. You got to pay for that house somehow. Well, in between one of our breaks, I literally went outside and cut down a palm tree that was in the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just it's the joys of home ownership. I don't know how I might do this. Um, all right. Kids, I think we are out of here. Uh, I'm tired. It's 1130 here. Burke, it's 12. 1230 over here. And I was up at 430 this morning. Uh, remember, we have a website, davisandavisshow.com. We also have a merch site, thedavisandavisshow.com. Wow. Wow. Y'all can get the seven shirt. <laughs> and good for any occasion and right twice a day. Anyone at the golf course that I work at knows what seven means. <laughs> Been saying it a lot the past few weeks. Ten days in a row, man. Seven. 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 What else can I do? <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week. <coughs> Sorry. Tonsil, tonsillitis. Um, next week is supposed to be our 007 episode. Oh, I thought I wasn't prepared for this one. Oh, <laughs> oh that's going to be a rough show, my friend. We um, may bust it up into two days, like pick it up day after. It's going to be long, longer than this one. This will be the first show that, that Burke produces. Uh, I was my concept and I put the framework together that's about it i'm so looking forward to it <laughs> i'm gonna mail all the soundboards down to you and you can you can do it all In nothing but sound bites we won't have a moment to speak sound bites like emotional damage <laughs> I was sent you to Jesus. <laughs> I've, I haven't cut that one out yet. <laughs> All right, people. We hope you have a good time. We've had a good time doing this. We're back. It's season three. 
That sounds so weird. Season three. Two, three. We're That's right. We had a short season first season. Three. Yeah. Short oh. first season, full season two, and we're on number three. What the heck? What the hell? What the hell? We? What the hell you say? <laughs> what the hell you say? 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 Okay. Oh my god. I can listen to this all night. Who the hell's calculator is this? What the hell? What the hell? What the hell you sell me? What the hell? What the hell? What Man, I'm telling you. I could listen to this all night. <laughs> uh, I watch him on YouTube all day long, man. Oh, yeah. He's just he's, he's hilarious. hilarious. Uh, is there anything else we need to... No. 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 Bedtime. Oh! 24-hour of Le Mans is coming up. Yes, end of the month. Yes. Uh, big party, y'all. Smaller, can, smaller party this year, but still a party. Yes, y'all can come on and and join me at davisonDavisShow.com, and we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk racing while Burke is sleeping, snoring. Yeah. All right, people, we're out of here. Have a good night. You too.